welcome to episode number six. Today's guest is Judith Stahl, who is the head of marketing and communications of the German Accelerator. She has been leading her first team member 20 years ago, and we talk about Judith's leadership since then. For 10 years, she was working for Yahoo in Europe and leading to some very interesting intercultural insights. Judith was recommended to me as an inspiring leader who gives her team members a lot of space and trust to drive their own ideas and at the same time has their back. I enjoyed this conversation very much and especially the many practical suggestions that Judith shared from her experience on the topic of managing each team member individually with their own needs, motivations um, and also some things on project management towards the end of the conversation. I wish you an interesting episode. For today's episode, I am here in the middle of Munich. Um, again, not at my office, but this time at the office of the German Accelerator. And opposite of me is Judith Stell. So a warm welcome to the podcast, Judith. Hi, nice to meet you. Yes, we just met recently, so we've had contact virtually um, and via the phone, and you've been recommended to me by one of the people in your team. So we'll talk about that, and um, we'll talk also as an introduction just to know for the listeners out there, what is the German Accelerator and what do you do here? Um, I am the Global Head of Marketing and Communication for the German Accelerator and we empower German high potential startups to scale globally. So we help them go abroad and build their business uh, in other markets. That is very interesting, especially for yeah the start of ecosystem, not just in Munich, but also Germany-wide um, and globally. And we'll, yeah, we'll talk about your role and your team, but we'll come to that at a later point in time. We'll first start with your first team. Take us back a few years, <laughs> quite a few years, I yes, guess. Yes, definitely. Um, what kind of team was it, the first one you were leading, and how was it for you? It actually was about like... 20 years ago that I started to work at a PR agency and um, pretty soon at that time um, I found myself responsible for a trainee um, as soon as I finished my own traineeship. So that was kind of a deep dive into cold water, if you will. And um, I was a bit uh, shocked, to be honest, to get so much responsibility um, after you know being on the job for not even 12 months. But um, after sitting down and relaxing a bit, I thought about um, how I would like to manage that person. And that was basically um, thinking about what other managers that I had worked with in the past had done well and maybe also not so well. And this is how I developed my own style of working. And of course, I always tried to also um, be authentic and remain the colleague as well and not just be the manager. And that's how I started out. And it did go well, but uh, we had a few fun episodes because uh, the trainee, she was a wonderful person, but she always, always burst into tears when she received feedback, no matter what. Even uh, the feedback was brilliant most of the time, and she still uh, started crying. So we had to work around that and find ways um, to work together. 
What helped you there at the starting phase? You mentioned looking back at own role models and possibly not so role models. Um, were there any mentors or um, was there specific literature, anything else that, else that helped you also to get this confidence just being a trainee and now taking over the leadership of a trainee that helped you at the starting phase? I remember that I did um, ask a few senior colleagues to sit down with me and really share some experiences. Um, but at that time, 20 years ago, you know, the internet was there, thank God, but um, we didn't really have blogs or anything, so it was hard to get literature about that. Everything was um, basically coming from the practical life, um, and that's how I started out. Yeah, the internet is a very good cue to the next point because your career started moving forward and you have been working for Yahoo. And I'd love to talk about that, also knowing that you, as a German, being based here, then later on working for the EMEA region and having a US-American company that you were working for. How would you describe your years at Yahoo with regards to leadership? But what did you learn there? Um, it was a roller coaster ride, as you can imagine. Um, I've spent uh, a decade at Yahoo, and Yahoo was just a, an amazing place to work and an amazing place to learn and uh, and thrive. And yeah, just uh, learn so much about the digital world, of course, but also about people management. I've had numerous managers, numerous CEOs, and all of them had their own style. And this is um, what really drove me to dive deeper into their style of work and kind of create my own based on the experiences that I had with them. And uh, of course, it wasn't always easy because being German in an international environment means that you have to learn a lot about different cultures and about uh, the meanings behind things. And I think this was uh, crucial for me and my German colleagues to, to learn and understand. Um, do you have I, a specific example there? I do have an example, yeah. I had a Spanish colleague. She's, she was uh, working at Yahoo for, for a very long time. She uh, moved with Yahoo from Spain to Switzerland and uh, then to London. And after all these years, um, she made her experiences. And um, when we went out in London once, she was like, Judith, you know what happened to me? I've been around for 10 years and I've moved countries and stuff. But I just found out when the British say, oh, interesting, they don't really mean interesting, they mean the opposite. And I was like, yeah, that sums it up. Um, you know, secret codes and um, how to behave or how to express um, happiness even is so different um, from, say, Northern Europeans compared to Americans or the Brits um, as well. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely had a learning curve in that respect as well. How was it in your own team? What kind of nationalities did you have there that you were leading as a leader? It was uh, a great mixture, to be honest, because we had people from that were based in Dubai that had different backgrounds from Saudi Arabia, from uh, Jordan. Um, then we had people um, in in London. They they were mostly British. Um, we had people sit in uh, Paris, France. We had someone in Madrid, and we had um, uh, someone sit in Italy as well. So it was a great mixture, and uh, it was very unusual as well for me as a as a German being based in Munich to be able to lead a team for the EMEA region. That was uh, the exception and not the norm, to be honest. But that was um, also what Yahoo was about, to be honest, because uh, they that it was a special place, and um, people got opportunities. Um, no matter where they came from, and that was really brilliant. Yeah, giving opportunities is also, or in, in my um, opinion, something that 
great leaders or leaders who care about their people are about. And I know because um, the recommendation that came from someone in your team, um, and now we're jumping a bit to the future, but I think it fits here, um, was that you are someone giving people the space to develop themselves, to explore, and at the same time have their back. And I was wondering, um, where did you, where does that come from? Is that from your time in Yahoo, where you did have all those opportunities? Um, it was definitely the time at Yahoo that made this um, this possible. But the thing is, I always developed out of a colleague context. I've been a colleague of people, and then I um, got promoted to team lead. So that is like a very special. That special and challenging and challenging um, situation, to be honest. So I spent a lot of time thinking about how to best approach this, how to not all of a sudden be, you know, distant from the team, but of course also make sure that you know I take responsibility at the same time. And it was a challenge, to be honest. But I always um, try to be authentic at eye level, and I never, never forget what uh, what I like to get from managers and that is space and that is trust and that is um, you know the expertise that you can really use and um, you turn to your manager or to your team lead when you need support but you you really have the freedom to drive your own ideas and um, yeah also be responsible for mistakes of course right but um, yeah I mean I as a manager really want people to have that space but if they need any any support or if something happens if you know, things break down, then um, I'm right behind them, next to them, in front of them, wherever they need me. And that is one of my big um, credos, if yeah. you will. Yeah, that's really, it seems really important to you as a leader. Exactly. Um, you just mentioned, you did the, the fact that you were promoted often from being a colleague to being the leader of the team. And that's something I encounter sometimes as well with the first-time leaders that I work with. And even, you know, being first-time leader is already a challenge. And if you have that additionally from like a, a system that you come from being in a completely role in that system, um, that can be even more challenging. So I was wondering also in that situation, what helped you to, to move into the role, but at the same time, like you mentioned, keep the working at eye level, keep the respect for the people, even though you have a different role? Because I didn't really change my behavior that much. Of course, I had different tasks and I had to take certain decisions, but I always um, stayed transparent and people always respected me for um, my background as well. I was a communications person. I was leading the communications team and I knew what they were going through. I knew um, what it meant to kind of come up with a press release within an hour because it needs to be sent out a talk or you know, if, uh, say, a crisis happens, a journalist calls and it's a challenging situation, uh, I know what to do and I still did it as well. I think that is another crucial topic. I didn't turn into someone just sitting at the desk and delegating. I always um, kept in contact with the media. I um, handled press situations myself. I did um, still write texts, so I never really lost touch. And that is what people appreciate a lot. Yeah, I see that the, the balance of still being in, in the task and also being credible for the experience you have in the task and at the same time taking the additional role of leading a team and like you said, taking different decisions, having different responsibilities or giving different guidance to people um, that you didn't have before then. 
Exactly, and I always um, made sure that people also know that they would still be able to come to me and just moan, right? Because I think <laughs> that is important as well. Um, there are days you where you get up and you know, oh gosh, right, that's not going to be my best day, or you know, things that you that you usually just do they really uh, get on your nerves on certain days. And why shouldn't you just, as a colleague, be able to say in your typical environment? God, that really is annoying me today. And um, I always wanted to, wanted to make sure that people could stay true to that as well and they don't have to hide anything, you know, um, in front of me. And um, I, I call this the boomerang, boomerang effect. Um, I want them to be open and transparent and moody if, you know, things happen. Um, and when we sit down and, and have a review of their work or whatever, I don't want them to be in a situation that the boomerang comes back and then I, as a manager, kind of turn to them and I'm like, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, you know, you were in a bad mood or you didn't uh, behave um, in, a, in the best way. Um, I think people are humans and um, I don't want them to, to feel um, artificial. Yeah, I fully understand. It's this kind of... Um the separation or distinction also between, okay, you, you might have had a bad day, but as a person performing in the team, that it might not reflect necessarily back or that you can distinguish those two sides of someone working in your exactly. team. Exactly. And I mean, a human being is, is not just a business person. It's yeah, always absolutely. also, you know, the human side of things. And um, you have to respect that. And um, if, if the team spirit is created on the basis of that, uh, you can go a long way as a team. One of the things that um, we talked about also in our pre-discussion before um, the interview um, was how you developed yourself also with some, let's say, learning areas that you had. And one of them you named the, the well, being a perfectionist. And I think this is a topic that a lot of people out there can relate to. So I was wondering what has helped you or what helps you still in this process um, of overcoming or, let's say, working with your perfectionist side. Uh, what helps most is age and experience, to be honest, because, uh, you know, you have seen situations, you have experienced so much, you know how to deal with crisis situations or any kind of situations almost. And um, what I do with my team as well, if we're stuck in such a situation, I remember them, I remember, no, I remind them, sorry, um, that we're not in the, in an emergency room situation, right? It's like, let's calm down, let's breathe, and maybe 80% is good enough, right? And um, most of the time it turns out that something that you see as 80% is already 100 or 110% for someone else. So I would always recommend um, for people to step back, take a deep breath, and then um, look at things and look what they have created and judge it with different eyes. That's what helps me most besides the age and experience topic. Yeah, age and experience. <laughs> um, what are other things when you look back with your age and experience um, where you maybe say, okay, with the learnings I have now, maybe I could have or should have handled a team situation, for example, differently. What are maybe learnings you can pass on to listeners so they don't, might not have to go into that trap? It's interesting. When, when I think back, I think back mostly to my managers. And I think I have not always been the easiest person to manage mm -hmm. because I always had high expectations towards myself, but as high towards everyone else that was around me and also to, especially towards my manager. And um, I think 
I didn't always take enough time to judge the situation that they were in, right? They would take a decision, they would um, give me a review in a certain direction, and I would be like, okay, what? And I wouldn't always necessarily see the bigger context. So when I found myself in a situation where I was a manager or becoming more senior, I uh, oftentimes thought back and I was like, oh, damn it, now I understand what they, you know, meant back then and um, the lessons that I, you know, should have learned back then, but maybe took me a bit longer to, to really grasp. And it's a really important one, I think, that what you mentioned about um, putting yourself in the other person's shoes, even, not just in the shoes of your team members, but also in the shoes of like kind of someone higher up the line and this topic of managing up or how to deal if you disagree with a manager. Those are also important topics to have in mind. And I think like what you mentioned, um, putting yourself in their shoes, understanding their context definitely helps in that. In both, both directions, Absolutely, to be yeah. honest. Always see the context and always have conversations and listen to people. Um, that, is, that is important, especially when you manage a remote team. It's so important to reach out, to use, you know, back then we used Yahoo Messenger. Of course, now uh, we all use Slack or, you know, other tools like that. And these tools really make such a difference. A ping here and there, that's what we called the messages back then, uh, pinging each other, um, just goes a long way. And then, of course, you have conversations, be it on video or over the phone, just um, being interested in someone's uh, daily work life as well and also being transparent, also asking for feedback. I think feedback is a gift. That is something we learned a lot about at Yahoo as well. Um, and how do you give feedback? How do you want to receive feedback? Have that conversation. Don't hold back and really speak with your team members and also respect how they want to be managed. Really have that conversation as well. Some people are, you know, really happy on stage and they want praise in the public way and other people are like, eh, no, you know, if you think something is good, let me know or, you know, just in, in a one-to-one in -one situation, give me another exciting project that's reward enough for me. But others really, you know, want the, the, the fame and, um, and starlight. And that's fine as well. And you have to find the balance and you have to really manage everyone individually. And I think this was a big learning for me um, when I became a manager. Yeah, it's really great that you mentioned that because that's one of the points, again, when I work with first-time leaders who... Um, might not be so uh, open or might not know about this concept of really going in individually on people and seeing what is it that motivates this one person. If I went to praise that, what would be, I always call it the language of praise, mm -hmm. um, that this person really understands is, okay, this is a praise for me. Uh, and it's so different with each one, like you said. So it's a really yeah, a cool learning to, to pass on also to the listeners. Um, now that you've mentioned around 20 years ago, you have been already in the job and in the area of communications and marketing, and um, now at the German Accelerator, where you also work with a lot of startups, um, what is important in your point in life, in your point in, in your career now to pass on as kind of values or, or leadership topics um, to, to the young people you work with? It is something very basic. It's leading by example, being part of a team and um, not just be that desk person that, you know, as I mentioned before, um, that delegates or that just, uh, 
you know, jumps in here and there and is is gone for the rest of the business day or week. That's not my style. I want to be part of the team. I want to be um, in the middle of things as need be. It doesn't mean that I'm involved in every project. No, no, that's not my point. But it's like, you know, if, for example, a couple of, of weeks ago, we had to really come up with a few texts in a short time frame, and it was natural for me to dive into that as well and deliver as anyone else on the team. And that's my personality, but that's also what makes me a good leader, that I know what people are going through, I know what people are working on, and I am able to help and I'm able to be a project um, participant as much as I can also be a leader. Yeah, I, I perceive you as someone really looking at different situations and kind of also judging what is needed here, what's needed for my team, or where can I be of best support. And, and if need be, I need to dive in, but then move out again. Do you have any tips? Because this thing of diving into a topic, being really fully part of the team, and then moving out again back to your position as a leader, what helps you there to then as well take yourself out? So because the risk could be that there is like a micromanagement if you are really deep in the topics. What helps you to take the step back again? Um, something really practical because we have a kind of work frame that we've created where it's clear if someone is a project lead, what does it mean? What does it mean to lead a project? Then there's a project, or there is a group of project contributors. What does it mean to contribute? Um, and what is a project supporter that basically, you know, um, responds to requests as it happens? And as you have these different roles, people get trained to be in different roles as well. So it's easy for them to also understand my management style because yes sometimes you're micro because you're part of that team and you have tasks to fulfill and as a project um, lead overall you need to see the big picture and you ne don't necessarily dive uh, into all the details and I think that explains it well and it is something that we have implemented here at German Accelerator within the team but of course it needs education and training and a lot of conversation as well yeah. because also working remotely doesn't mean that everyone um, automatically understands what you're referring to so it's a lot of practice as well and yeah conversations yeah yeah conversation continuous learning um, you mentioned remotely and you already mentioned that also from your yahoo times and again there i i, I was wondering if you have listeners any specific tips what helped you the the kind of pinging that you mentioned uh, just saying hi wherever you are in the world uh, what other things help you as a leader when working with remote teams uh, what makes most sense of course is that you spend time with them and it's always great when they come and visit say headquarters or the office that you're based in but it's invaluable if you go to the office that they are based in and really spend time with them and see what their daily life is uh, like and a bit like what's what's it like to be in their shoes as well to be honest because you have a, a total different understanding of what they also need from you because some people can't just you know be frank and say hey this is what I need from you as my manager um, you kind of have to have to uh, develop ways to to get that information especially in different cultures sometimes exactly exactly we Germans tend to be quite direct <laughs> yes um, and other cultures um, tend to kind of yeah I mean they make you need to um, read between the lines a lot yeah but yeah spending time together is is, is really helpful but also um, 
training people that they are allowed to answer to direct questions. And again, the boomerang effect, you know, there are no stupid questions. There are no things that cannot be um, shared in a conversation. And I won't hold anything against people, you know, um, even if they don't share my opinion, right? I mean, that's kind of, it's not a one-way street. We develop together and we're on the road together. Yeah. We've come towards the end of the conversation already, <laughs> on the road together in this uh, conversation. And the question that I always ask my guests at the end, um, the imaginary one, if you had the magical power um, to have an impact on leaders' behavior around the world for one day, what kind of behavior would you like them to show and live with their teams? I would uh, love for everyone to listen. And I mean, really listen, not just sit there and kind of tick boxes or, um, you know, think about your own thoughts, really listen in and take individual feedback as a gift. That is definitely something I would love to happen, not just for one day, but it'll be a great start to have that globally on one day. Well, it was great fun listening to you and all your experiences. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It was fun. This was Destination Leadership, the podcast with inspiring leaders. I'm curious to hear what is it from this interview that you take away that has inspired you. Write to me via Instagram, Twitter, or get in touch via LinkedIn. All under my name, Katrin Grunwald. Also, if you have any feedbacks on the podcast or suggestions of leaders that have left a positive mark on you and you'd like others around the world to hear this inspiration too. I look forward to welcoming you again on the next episode of Destination Leadership. Destination Leadership.